When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to Peak to Pit. This is Allie Peak alongside TJ Pittinger, and we've been uh, on hiatus the last couple of weeks. Life has been a little bit crazy for both of us with the holidays, but we're back and better than ever. Allie recorded this from a hospital bed less than a week after newborn twins came along, and I, I didn't think anything would stop us from recording it, but we talked about this before. We started, you know, not related to this, but the magic of Christmas is the only thing that can slow down Allie Peak or Allie Wilbur or whatever. Um, <laughs> just Allie is a different person in December. So we'll take that into account <laughs> next year. No, um, last week we were going to record and something ended up coming up on Sunday night. I don't remember. And then I had kind of a crazy day at work on Monday and then it was. Christmas Eve, Tuesday, the holiday Wednesday, and it just kind of got crazy. So, um, but glad we're back. Glad, glad the, I guess the holiday season's not all the way over. Are you, are you telling people Happy New Year? We've, we've got that one, and then we can kind of get back into the normal swing of life. I mean, I'm still life. watching Hall, Hall, uh, Hallmark Christmas movies. So, Eric came home today. He took the girls to see Frozen, and um, he came home, and there was a, whatever, a Hallmark Christmas movie on. He's like, are you kidding? Still? <laughs> I'm like, uh, yes, still. I was, uh, I was folding up some laundry tonight and folded up like, the, and I'm looking at it right now on the on the edge of the bed. Um, a red polka dotted Santa uh, pajamas, and I was just like, I bought this for one month. Like, she's never gonna wear this again. I, I mean, never is kind of a stretch because Carol probably put a put her in it like tomorrow to get. I was gonna say one more we're wear still wearing out Christmas jammies in this. <laughs> In this joint. Um, how was your holiday? How was your Christmas and everything it was else? Awesome. It was really good. Five is like such a good age for, we were talking about this off air, but five is such a good age for Santa everything um, and for fully getting into the holiday spirit. Um, it's fun. I feel like the last two years, every like it just keeps getting better and better. And I know at some point that will not be the case and then I'll have a-hole teenagers that want expensive electronics and to not hang out with me, but that's not well, the that's case right now. That's why you had two more. 
Like, right? That's set. exactly why I had two more. <laughs> you guys go sit in a corner and playing with them. <laughs> right. The ones that still like me are getting all the good presents. You guys are not. Um, but yeah, it's, they're just the perfect age for all the Christmas magic. And it is, I am a holiday person. I'm, I don't know. I'm an over the top kind of person just in everything that I do. And so it is super fun. When did they, when, so we talked about this too. Um, you know, Elena didn't get it. She turned 16 months old on Christmas day. She didn't get anything about it, but she did understand like, unwrapping the paper and just she liked the way it tore and you know when things would come out of a box or come out of a bag or whatever she understood that we were giving them to her but that's really the extent of her understanding you know did they when did they really start to kind of get like hey on christmas you get things right like santa drops them off or mom and dad or whatever when did they start to get that so I would say the Christmas, um, when they were two, they turned two in August. And so then, you know, Christmas is whatever, four months later, that was the first, that was the first time that they actually like got it. They could open presents the year before when they were, um, just over one, but it wasn't until the following year that they like, and they still didn't fully get it. I would say the following year after that is what they, is they understood like, Hey, we can make a list. And like, at that point I still wrote the list and, and stuff, but they understood that you could ask for things. And if you and were kind of good then, or not really, cause mom's going to get it for you either way. But <laughs> if you were good, Santa was going to bring you presents. And that was the first year we did the elf, which elf on the shelf is one of my favorite parts of the holiday, our elf is like our elf toilet papered our house this year. I saw our house, that, yeah. uh, took a bath in marshmallows, like did scavenger hunts all over the house with candy. Like our elf zip line through the house. We, our elf goes all out. Um, and, and our elf comes back Thanksgiving night. So the, the morning after Thanksgiving, they wake up and then it's like 25 days or 30 days, whatever depends on when Thanksgiving falls of like, ridiculousness but for me it prolongs the magic watching them every single morning wake up and be like oh, can we go see where holly is is so fun i know not everyone feels that way a lot of people <laughs> feel like it's a job but i just feel like it's so damn cute i can't even take it i might not feel that way when i've been doing it for like 20 years because my kids are five years apart but currently it's fun so we didn't do the elf this year because there would have been no understanding. Right. But no, she wouldn't have gotten it. If you said you started it too, that sounds like something that Kara would be all over next year. Um, I did see that uh, Silk from the Big Three Roll Up and Zach Smith were kind of in a um, elf off. I guess is a good way to put that. Like you know, here's what here's what we did with our elf last last night. Here's what. You guys did, and then people were like, "Oh, this one's better. That one's better." So, um, oh, that's hilarious! I should have gotten in on that because yeah, I guarantee you, our would win. I am. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, the te- the toilet paper was very good. There, certain days were, would be better for different people, right? Like, you know, you may win this one, but they win the next, or just whatever. But there were some really good ones, and then you see the funny ones like on social media and stuff. So, you know, I don't know again if Elena will will get it or you know, well, not get it or whatever, do but as elaborate next year, but just like, Oh, I'm going to do the elaborate ones it. just for just, just to win, just to try and win. Yeah. I went in on the competition, you know, but, Oh, well, I mean, you should have, I wish I would have known there was a competition because 
I would have been all next about year. It. We are all about We're the... all my favorite. And I've done this every single year and I swear it's like, they don't remember <laughs> that I've done it before, but I put her picture on a sign and I write like the number of days. So like I write like three days and I print off a hundred of them and I tape them all over our downstairs like on everything, like every single cabinet has one all down the walls. I hang them from fishing lines, like from the fan all over. So they walk downstairs and this shit is just everywhere. Um, and that is one of my favorite ones. Cause it's, there's some shock value there. Is it, is it to like keep them? Cause they have to be good, right? Like that's what the, well, you have watching to be them. good. So is that our, like, there, is that your way of letting them know that she's always watching? Well, our elf leaves notes like every day, which not everybody's elf does. But one of my daughters said like one day Holly didn't leave a note. One of our daughters was like, I can't believe Holly didn't leave a note. That's my favorite part. And I was like, oh, okay, note every single day noted. (laughs) Um, But our note are sometimes we have like poison pen letters where our elf is like, you are dangerously close to the naughty list. And if you do not change your ways. You may not get presents. Um, and my children are better behaved in December than they are the whole rest of the year. So I kind of have contemplated Holly making an appearance in like July. Um, <laughs> they're just little hellions ready to go back see, to school or whatever. <laughs> yeah, to see what kind of like, hey, guys, you are for sure on the naughty list now. So you got six months to clean up your act. You better get on it. Or there could be um, like a birthday elf. Like you could do it in August. <laughs> you could. <laughs> um, you okay over there? Yeah, I'm choking to death over here, but yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, that's dope. Yeah, I mean, it was it, even though she didn't get it. I mean, Christmas was really cool, and this was the best Christmas just because you know you're just watching just your kid late. have a good day. And so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'm sure it'll get better and better and better and better. Um, yeah, and we'll have a next Christmas. We'll have a six month old. We haven't talked about that on air or anything. Not that. I think people care too much. We'll get into football here in a minute, but uh, having a little boy, so so exciting. We're gonna make him a new kicker. Yeah, I was gonna say no CTE for him, um, <laughs> or at least very minimal. Um, but yeah, anything but a holder is is fine. Now that I'm friends with you guys, so um, maybe he can kick for the Bucks, who missed three field goals today. Um, they would, you know, in they the couldn't year, do worse. 20, 25 years or so from now, the Bucks can have a competent kicker. So, um, so that'll be fun. So next year will be a ton of fun with it. Um, uh, speaking of competitions and speaking of football, let's segue it back real quick. Um, the playoffs were last night, college football playoffs. Um, first of all, my first takeaway from the playoffs is they could not have stretched those two games out any farther and now i know the second game started at eight regardless of when the first game stopped but i mean both games were legitimately four hours cbs would be so proud of the length of these commercial breaks the length the the amount of stoppages um the games felt like they took forever and i'm not even really complaining i just think it's just you know a hundred percent them trying to stretch it out so that you get more commercials and more ads and more everything else in it but um First game not so good. Second game really great. What were your thoughts on the uh, on the playoffs? I can't believe that's my first takeaway, but there we go. Um, well, okay, so LSU Oklahoma obviously not uh, not a great matchup. I don't think that anybody is surprised by that. Maybe maybe a little bit surprised at quite how lopsided it 
it was. But, I mean, Vegas isn't surprised. It was a 14-point spread. I am not a fan of a playoff game that out the gate is so lopsided. But I don't know who else you put in either. Um, and I think that I, – I think this was a bad weekend for people in favor of expansion because – we couldn't even get two competitive games. So you're telling me that if we, you know, are are putting in the next four after Oklahoma, that we're going to get a more competitive game. I mean, odds are not in that favor. I saw um, we, you and I were talking about this off air earlier in the weekend, but I saw this article that had talked about if we had an 18 playoff this year and it took the top eight teams from the playoff poll, which I have to say, I've saw your Twitter a lot of people tweeted at me about this as well. You don't get to just pick who you think is the top eight and who would do better against these teams that are in. That's not how it works. If it were to be eight teams in the playoff, it would still be the top eight in the playoff poll. Sure. Um, so, you know, I saw there was a lot of Florida fans that were saying like, you know, well, Florida did so much better against LSU than Oklahoma did. They did. They they absolutely did. I mean, yeah, LSU and, didn't. and Auburn played them really close, and Bama played them and really Al- close, and stuff like that. There yeah, are seven SEC teams that played LSU closer than Oklahoma did. The only person that has even a tiniest bit of an argument, and I don't think they have much of one, would be Georgia. But Georgia lost to them, you know, the week before, two weeks before. So it's yes, I understand that they played closer games against lot of other teams, but none of those teams would have been in the playoff aside from Georgia. Yeah. So the, that point's kind of irrelevant. The the result of the game, and I understand people that say like, oh, Oklahoma gets in there and gets blown out every year. First, first of all, they played um, – who did they play last year? That Was it Bama last year? They played somewhat competitively. Yes. I mean, I, you know, I think it wasn't Bama up a lot and Oklahoma kind of came back. I mean, the game wasn't nearly as bad as it was last night. But – I don't First know if it's all, ever been as bad as it was last night for, for anybody. For anybody, and not it, even and us. We set the record with it, and it wasn't even, it wasn't even that bad. Um, but, yeah, you, you don't look at the result of the game and say, oh, well, because that result happened that way, we made the right – the wrong decision was made. Well, um, there could I be will... certain there could be certain instances for that, but I mean, you could look at Florida State, who played in the first college football playoff game ever, gets blown out by Oregon – um, which it was a one-score game at the half, but they end up getting blown out by Oregon. There are a lot of teams in the top 10 that year that would have played o- Oregon better than Florida State did. But you don't get to the end of that game and say, well, this is proof that Florida State shouldn't have been in. There's there's other teams that would have played. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind that Florida would have played uh, LSU better. I think Georgia would have played LSU better in a rematch. I think... Uh, Alabama, Alabama would, have, would sure. have. I think Auburn probably would have. Saying that, most teams are going to be playing better in a rematch almost every time anyway. But even without that, I think those teams pr- almost indefinitely play that team better. I don't know that Utah plays them any closer. I don't know that Wisconsin plays them any closer. Um, or Penn State. Or, I mean, Penn, you have to you look know, at Baylor. I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, Baylor doesn't uh, – you know, Oklahoma just beat Baylor twice. So right. would you put Baylor in over them? Again, I think the only team that had a close to argument over Oklahoma would would be Georgia, right? Like if right. you thought Georgia was the fourth best team going into the LSU game in the SEC championship, 
then them losing to the number one team means that they should still be around the fourth or fifth best. And I understand they lost by a lot, but I mean, so did Oklahoma. So, you know. So I actually, when I was thinking about this, watching this game, this, this terrible thought popped into my head. And it was that you may actually be right about something that we talked about earlier in the year. Um, when we were debating, what? I'm sorry, the, it cut out a little bit. Can you say that again? <laughs> <laughs> you might have been right. I'm choking on this. Um, because we talked about how we determine who gets in and, and how we would rank teams just in general. And we talked about the eye test versus resume. And, you know, I had said, I thought you needed to put a 50-50, but I, I, for me personally, if I look at an SEC team or, or any team that beat, you know, five ranked teams, that looks better to me even with the loss than a team who played one ranked team and is undefeated or no ranked teams and is undefeated or whatever. But uh, Oklahoma got in based on resume, based on what it is that I am talking, <laughs> I was talking about. And I think that if maybe there had been more weight put just on eye test, they may not have ended up there but it would have been um, georgia right it would have been georgia then if you're going right. based on eye test and and let's be clear because oklahoma think... didn't look better eye no. test to me than oregon did or utah or wisconsin or penn no, state they and, didn't i mean they you know because we talk about resume and eye test i mean they look good against baylor both times i mean the huge comeback they really played well against Baylor in the Big 12 championship. So I think their eye test wasn't even that bad. I think before no, that it wasn't very was impressive. But I better think... eye test is my is my point. Yeah. I'm not they didn't look bad, but I think that you could potentially get a different result if you put more weight on eye test than on resume. Um and that did kind of make me a little sick. But um you know you might have been on to something there and winning your conference is not a prerequisite for going to the playoffs but we do know that they put a large emphasis you know on that um and I don't think we should and I don't I honestly don't think the answer is expansion I saw a, a lot of people tweet at me that the reason we needed expansion was so that we got those teams 5 through 8 in and they could help weed out when somebody that is not as good, but has a better resume does get in. And to me, that's kind of flawed logic. Can't we just come up with a way for them not to get in then? Yeah. As opposed to so four versus five, it. four versus five would have been Georgia and Oklahoma, which I think would have been a good game. I mean, to be well, all, to be fair, but then it's the last two teams that LSU blew out. I mean, LSU, right. we'll get into this because we're kind of talking more about Oklahoma than the team that won, but LSU is has been better than everybody else the entire year. And they're also, they're also peaking right now. Like they are absolutely is, playing. Nobody their, would have beat LSU in that game. And no, let's be clear I, about I, Clemson that. Clemson or so Ohio State wouldn't have beat them last night. You it, know, it doesn't so, matter who they played. LSU was winning. So they it's are, not like they are absolutely playing their best football. These last two games. And then before that as well, um, so, I mean, even if you did expand to eight, four versus five would have been Georgia and Oklahoma. If Oklahoma beats Georgia, you you get what we got last night. If Georgia beats them, maybe it's a little bit closer in the SEC championship, but it's but probably another blowout, get, you know? Yeah, and, and that to me, that's so dumb, you know? Well, so going back to that article that I was telling you about a few minutes ago, so it, it showed what the Vegas lines would be if we took the top eight 
as the playoff poll stands today. And it does put Oklahoma and Georgia against each other. And Georgia would be favored by two, um, according to this article. So, I mean, for all intents and purposes, a toss up. Um, I do think Georgia would beat Oklahoma, but I don't, it's not going to be anything like we saw yesterday. Um, but then after that, the smallest spread between the other three games is 24 points. Yeah. Cause who's eight I, right now? Wisconsin. Over in yes. Wisconsin, LSU. Oh my gosh, Wisconsin got blown out by Ohio State. Yeah. Well, I mean, more than just that, right? Like, didn't they lose to Michigan by a ton too, or or did they blow Michigan out? Um, I can't remember, but, but I like mean, that, that's just, not. You know, and what you would do is you would you would take appealing. away a regular season game, but right? you'd have to if you were expanding the playoffs to that far, right? And so, well, I mean, in you taking could not away a, have two weeks between quarterfinal and semifinal, I mean, semifinal and finals, which is basically what we're working with now. We had the 27th and then, or the 28th, and we won't have till January 13th. But I, I just, I think it dilutes the regular season because first of all, if they're taking eight, you're getting multiple two loss teams in there, which I'm not necessarily opposed to a two loss team getting in if they, um, if they are one of the best teams in the country. And I think that sometimes you can argue that a two loss team is, but I just – do we really need to see three games with a 24-point spread? Like, people don't want to watch a 24-point spread in the regular season. Did, and do – go ahead. No, go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and do upsets happen? Absolutely. But are we going to expand on the uh, on the off chance that an upset does happen? Do we want an upset to happen? No. Like, do we honestly, want – you don't. Wisconsin and LSU – I mean, how exciting is LSU Clemson right now? Like in in LSU Ohio State would have been the same way. But how exciting is that matchup? That I think it's gonna be fantastic. I actually think LSU wins kind of going away, but I, I think that's too. a really good matchup. I think that that's something we can get excited about. We can get behind. But I mean, say a Wisconsin team did upset a number one LSU, and now we're stuck you, with yeah. Wisconsin against Oklahoma to then play Clemson. I mean, yeah. you know, or Ohio State, whoever comes out of that side. Clemson or Ohio State blows that team out, whoever right. it is. It doesn't matter. Right. And so do we even, I mean, you know, first of all to, you know, say like, oh, we should expand for the chance of an upset like college basketball. No, like I, I don't even want upsets. Second of all, they probably wouldn't even happen. It's just another, these guys are, I mean, look at the injuries that, like look at the injuries that Georgia had in that SEC championship game with uh, wide receivers out and different defensive players out. And so like teams are banged up right now. LSU's running back it, it was questionable for the game, ended up being able to sit out the second half because they were up by so much. But like, you know, guys are beat up. It's just another chance for more guys to get injured in meaningless games. Wisconsin LSU would be a meaningless game. And so I, I don't know. I think it. I am so against expansion. I was really okay with two, um, you know, four's fine I, in seasons like this, which are very, very rare. I can't remember the last time that three uh, 13-0 undefeated teams happened. I believe it was when I Auburn got left out in yeah. 2003 or four, somewhere around there. Um, so it, it, it is something, it is something that happens. What, you know, if you look back at 98, uh, when the BCS started and now we're in 2019, 2020, so 22 years, it is something that happens. What once a decade, a little bit less than once a decade. So, I mean, I guess if having four 
saves that once a decade scenario. Great. Next year, I would venture to say there will not be three 13-0 teams. Kind of just history tells you that. Right. So I was right. okay with two. Um, I understand four. I'm okay with four. But I mean, this whole you know blowout thing in the in the college football playoff is not uncommon. I mean, you know, it's Florida not. State got no. blown out by Oregon. Alabama blew um, Washington out. Alabama blew Michigan State out. Um, I'm missing some, but there's like there's been three or four. Last night's game was a blowout. Um, Clemson beat Ohio State 31 to nothing. I mean, these blowouts happen and have essentially happened every year of the playoff. Um, right. And so I don't understand how people think that by expanding the number of teams, the blowouts will, you know, lessen. somehow go away. And, and that's just, yeah, the, the college football is not like the NFL, right? Where there's a salary cap. And the teams are, for the most part, pretty even. Like you look at Jameis Winston, right? Throws 30 touchdowns and 30 picks, and they finish seven and nine, right? Like you can have the hottest and coldest players. The the teams are pretty much average, right? Like the best team finishes with 13 wins, just a little bit over five. The, the worst, you know, there's like one or two really, really bad teams. But most teams are between six wins and nine wins, right? Like right. that's the NFL. In college football, there's always one or two dominant, dominant teams. This year, there were three, right? And that's just pretty rare. And so yeah. it totally, I don't know, it, when they expand it, it will ruin the sport more than it already has. The regular season will become more irrelevant. It'll be just like the NFL regular season where the Dolphins, who people thought would go 0-16 this year, ended up beating the Patriots today in a meaningless game. You know, right. it, it didn't even, I mean, the Patriots now have to play the wild card as opposed to just being in the division, but they play the wild card against the Titans, right? Like they're, they'll beat their brains in at home. So, you know, that's what the regular season will become when a team like the Dolphins can, why would you, if you're 13, 12 and 0 going into Atlanta, why would you even play? You're like, why would you show anything on film? Why would you do anything there? Right. Like, so right. I don't know. Once, once they expand it to eight, because it will eventually happen, um, well, it'll ruin their, it's about money. It's not going to expand because we're actually looking for anything in particular out of this outside yeah. of it's more profitable. It'll, um, and I don't it'll think ruin there's the anybody sport more than it, it already has. I just, I don't like the concept that, and I, and again, I get that sometimes a two loss team gets in I, or a one loss team and they very well may be the best team in the country. And I'm totally okay with them getting in. I just don't like the concept of the beginning of the season. You can look at your schedule and be like, okay, well, you know, we could drop here and here and it'd be fine. And we could still make it to the playoffs. That's not the mentality of college football right now. You have a, a panic attack if you drop one and then you have to wait and see how the chips fall. And, you know, you're waiting on everybody else to play out to see if you have a chance. That's the part of the excitement of it. And if that goes away because we can say, oh, well, we know we can drop two and because of our strength of schedule or because of this or that, we're going to be in anyway and have a shot. That just takes some of the, I don't know. Yeah, Some the week of the to week specialness yeah, away. The drama, the excitement, you know, the you know, there is nothing. I mean, there have been times that I mean, didn't the Steelers go nine and seven one year and end up winning the Super Bowl? Like won all three games on the road in the playoffs and then 
beat the Cardinals. I, I think I'm right about that, but somebody will fact check me and I'll, you know, they'll have been like 10 and six or something, but they went nine and seven as a wild card and got in. And that's great for the NFL because the NFL is about who is hot in December and January and who can right. get it going. Right. But that's just not what college football is about. College football is right. about excellence. College football is about dominance. That's why we don't, we would never rank that Steelers team that went nine and seven and won the Super Bowl as one of the most dominant teams of all time. But right. what do we do? We look at 08 Florida and we look at 13 FSU and we look at 01 Miami and we look at right. 2009 Bama and we look at these teams that were excellent from for the right. whole year and we say, okay, let's let's try and see who was better this one, who lost this game, who won this one, who won by more, who who had more right. players drafted, whatever. Because that's what college football is about. It's not about yeah. everybody gets a Everybody gets a medal. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets a participation award. If you win the AAC and go undefeated, you get into the playoff. That's just not what college football is about. It's about finding the most excellent team. And I think that not only did this past weekend make it uh, obvious that we don't need to expand. I also think it made it obvious that the idea of automatic conference bids is ridiculous, too. Yeah, I agree with you that the winning a conference is not necessarily a prerequisite. Um, a couple of years ago, didn't didn't Missouri? Well, no, I mean, just you know, four years ago, when Florida was in the SEC championship, and not that they mm-hmm. you know really had any chance to beat Bama, but say they would have upset Bama in one of those. I mean, they would have won the SEC, and and I don't think they would have gotten in you know either of those years. Um, well, the just year that they ended up in the Sugar Bowl against Louisville, had they beaten Alabama, they they would have gone because I'm pretty sure they ended up as the fifth best team having lost to Bama going into that Sugar Bowl. So obviously, had they won and and oh, Florida okay. went I was thinking eleven of, and one that I, season. I agree on that one. I was thinking of the two under um, McElwain. Both okay. of those years that they, I mean, because both of those years that they played Alabama, they had just gotten their heads beat in the week before against Florida state, which Florida state wasn't great. Either one of those years, right? Like Florida state was just a 10 win team, both of those seasons. And so it's not like they had really, really good quality losses there either. Um, you know, so I agree winning, winning the conf, like say Virginia would have, would have beaten Clemson. Obviously they're not in. So, Right. You know, winning the conference is not a prerequisite. I do think it should hold some merit. I do too. Um, I mean, there, there and, is and ultimately, something said for getting it done. Ultimately, I don't think it was the fact that Oklahoma won the Big Twelve. It was the fact that they were twelve and one. Everybody else was ten and two or worse. Right. Um, that's it. You know that that's right. winning and losing still matters in college football. Again, when they expand, it'll matter less. But right now. You take a twelve and one team in a Power Five conference over a team with two losses, and then you add in the fact that they won their conference as well. You know there there was really no question as to who deserved to get in. This was the sure. least drama filled playoff that we've had yet. Sure, like yeah, I mean we we in. knew who was going in. the The only drama was who was going to be a number one seed and who was going to be a number two seed. I mean, that was that was it. And I think most of us kind of assumed that LSU would be the number one seed. I did see, you know, there were some people that thought Clemson had a shot at that. And and, you know, I I don't I don't know that you could have faulted 
them if they put another undefeated team who is the reigning national champion as the number one seed. But that was really the only thing that was up in the air at any point. Yeah. So about LSU, so they look about as good as, you know, any team has looked in kind of recent think, memory, right? Like they, uh, uh, yeah. they're, they would need a really good performance. I, you know, I don't know if they'll get this or not, but I believe, um, I think they're 40 points off of where FSU finished 2013. So FSU has 723 points, I think, in 2013. That was the record for most points in a college football season. I think they're 40 points away from that, right? So that'll kind of be what I'm cheering for in the national championship is for them to score 39 or now, less. To, um, let's be fair here, though. Are Do you really think that they played an equivalent schedule for that points – basically for that to be a fair assessment. I don't think they played an equivalent schedule. Um, I do think them playing one less game and their um, margin of, you know, like their point differential is a little bit more telling, right? Like, so um, no, I think LSU schedule this year is much more difficult than Florida State's. And I wouldn't argue the opposite of that at all. Um I think that LSU has been wildly impressive. I think that they've been very, very good offensively. I think the difference in those two is the defensive performance. LSU's given mm-hmm. up a lot, a lot, a lot of points to a lot of not very good teams. Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, teams that really shouldn't be scoring a lot on them. Um, right. Florida State gave up 11 points a game that year. Every player that started on that defense got drafted most are still playing in the NFL. So I, I think that's kind of the difference in the two teams. Mm-hmm. But I mean, still, Florida State put up a crap ton of points in one less game than than LSU right. did. But yeah, LSU played a tougher schedule that year, without a doubt. Um, that said, they played a t- You know, it's so hard to, to figure that out. Because on the surface, you can say LSU played a tougher schedule. But they didn't they give up more points to Vanderbilt than they did to Florida? You know, it's kind of like they yeah. they gave up more points to Ole Miss than they did to Auburn. <laughs> so, it, yes, they played a tougher schedule, but like if you really, really go dissect it and everything else, like I don't know, it it all kind of comes out in the wash. They they got the extra game, so if they score forty two, you know, they'll get it because they played fifteen instead of fourteen. But, um, but anyway, so they're you know they're the most dominant team, kind of in recent history burrow is has really been great um you know i think the i think i saw a stat that his first game at lsu against miami he went 12 for 20 um they still ended up blowing miami out that game but it wasn't really because of him in their hat on that by the way yeah the moral victories that have been on the timeline for the last uh that and i cannot tell you did you see how many ucf people were like Oh, this is the same LSU team that we only lost to by a touchdown to you know this year. Um, no, last bowl season, which is for the previous season, which means it has absolutely nothing to do with this season. And as somebody who watched their team beat LSU last year, the same team that the same team that UCF played in a bowl game, and then watched my team play. Uh, LSU pretty damn closely this season. I can tell you that they are not one and the same. They are, they're, Florida, they're definitely not the same team. Definitely not the same. I mean, we 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 are well aware that they are very. I just delusional find that very amusing. Goes. 
Um, there have been some. I'm gonna get some hate tweets for this. There have been some moral victories from from Florida fans. Um, oh, for sure, for, there have for been. playing. Uh, I, I saw somebody say uh, we were the only team to lead LSU in the second half. You know, all season. And I, of course, I quote tweeted and said, "We ought to hang a banner for this. Like this is just this is why you play to to be in a close <laughs> game with uh, somebody that ends up being a lot better." But yeah, I'm it. Uh, anyway, so Joe Burrow started twelve and twenty against Miami. Has turned around to be just absolutely fantastic for LSU. Uh, I know you're not a big Burrow fan, but in seeing his Heisman speeches and seeing the way he carries himself, like. Have you come around on him at all? Like, you don't have to say you're a fan of his, but like, do you hate him a little bit less? I mean, like, what I are your am thoughts here? I'm a fan of his athletic ability and the type of player that he is because he's incredibly fun to watch. He is, uh, in, I think he's a generational talent. Um, I, I think he is as good as advertised. When I look at him, I, I, and you look at his eyes, I feel like it's like, hmm, did I just throw a touchdown pass or did I just, you know, murder someone I don't know like he just he, he has this like serial killer look in his eyes I don't know he just and I he's come across as cocky to me in the past and I I I don't know I don't like cocky for my quarterback you can give me cocky for a wide receiver a DB something like that your your defensive lineman I just I I am not a fan of a quarterback that comes across as as cocky. are you a fan and of he, cocky punters <laughs> well, I'm married to one, so I guess I am. <laughs> Very good. Um, I think there needs to be an element of like cockiness to anybody that plays, right? Like, I think, I mean, there's almost like a cocky humility. Well, I mean, you know, if you're right? a like, I know that's player, such a, you've got a, a, an edge to you. Especially and, when you're the best. I mean, look at the guys that have won recently. And I know you're not a big fan of probably most of these guys anyway. But like when you think of like guys like Manziel and Winston and Cam Newton and just anybody that's See, won these trophies, you know, pretty recently. I don't mind Manziel. I don't know. Manziel, I, I, I think it's because I. If you're I telling me like you're Manziel a Manziel be, fan, but have a problem with Joe Burrow, we're going to fight. I'm going to drive to your house right now. I, <laughs> I think it's that I would like to have a beer with Johnny Manziel. I do not feel that way about Joe Burrow. Um, I don't know. You know, part of it, when Florida played LSU this week or this year, he had some comments um, and he was talking about, uh, Franks, who, you know, I am not always a huge fan of the way that Franks, the things that Franks did on the sidelines or whatever. Like, I don't think that silencing your own fans is cool. That's that, that doesn't, that rubs me the wrong way. But, um, I, he said something to the effect of like, he basically was like, well, you know, I don't know. They might be a little bit harder this year. Cause they don't have what's his face or something like that. And Franks had just gotten hurt. Um, he was gone for the season. By the way, Frank's put up better numbers than Joe Burrow did the season before. So it just like really, I don't know. It just seemed inappropriate. It rubbed me the wrong way. And that's kind of painted my view of him uh, all season long. But I am definitely not blinded, you know, with hatred to where I can't acknowledge what, what a hell of a player he is. He's a great player. He is a generational player. I think the combination of him and his wide receivers is just insane because they're freaking good. Their adjustments that they were making last night was insane. And all I kept thinking about is LSU's wide receivers versus Clemson's DBs doesn't seem fair for Clemson's DBs. That's yeah. a mismatch of the game, in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I think that 
I think it'll be a very, very tough game for Clemson. Um, I, I don't know. I thought we can talk about this. I thought I thought Ohio State dominated the game last night. I thought Ohio they State did. was a better team uh, for all four quarters. I thought that, um, and it, whether you agree with you know the the calls, the ref, the ref decisions, or just whatever, um, Ohio State was better. Clemson was better in the red zone. I'll say that. Clemson was Clemson's defense was was very good. Actually, I take that back. I don't even think Clemson's defense was that good. J.K. Dobbins dropped two touchdown passes. Um, yeah, no, you know Ohio you, you don't get credit for good defense if people on are the board. Yeah, you don't get credit for good defense for when people are dropping touchdown passes. So right. uh, Clemson got the stops they needed, but Ohio State was much better uh, the entire game. And then again, whether you agree with the calls or not, uh, that the the targeting play. Was, Let's talk about uh, that targeting play. What's your uh, What's your opinion? On I think that? it's absolutely um, okay. I'll back up from what I have he- heard, read, seen on social media. If you use the crown of your helmet anywhere on a def- on an on an offensive player's body, right? Like it doesn't matter if I'm using the crown of my helmet. On your chest, your back, your side, your helmet, wherever. If you lower your helmet to make a tackle, then that's cause for ejection. The problem is, I don't think that it is officiated like that. I think that if you use the if you put your head down and you tackle somebody in their chest. Unless you're like spearing them, I don't think that that's getting called as targeting. And so I think that what happened on that play, and I'll also say this, I think there should be an intent factor to it. When I look at somebody that puts their head down and goes face first into somebody else's face, you can tell when that's intentional. What it looked like the defender was doing to me was that he was trying to get small to make sure that he wasn't hitting Lawrence in the head. And right. when Lawrence lowered his head, his body, right, the helmet to helmet contact came in, well, and that's see. why they ruled it that way. So if it's okay for Lawrence to lower his head into the defender's path, that's kind of where I have an issue with it. How was the defender? So if the defender would have kept, and I know he used the crown of his helmet, but the face mask is also there. If the defender would have left his face mask pointing forward, he still would have made helmet-to-helmet contact with him. At that point, it's a judgment call. Are they going to kick him out or not? I don't know what they do, but I'm not a big fan of it. I, I think by the letter of the law, it was probably called correctly, but just kind of shows how... It doesn't leave room for interpretation, right? Like they say, if you use this part of your helmet, you're out. But it takes no factor in the. It takes no account in the fact that if the player is, if the offensive player lowers his head into the path, what are you supposed to do? Like you're well, just supposed to throw your helmet off real quick, and you know. So I, I don't that know. that was my thing is that I okay. So by definition. It was, in fact, targeting for sure. By uh, like, I looked at the the rule book last night because I needed to know the exact definition of what targeting is. Not that reading it and then watching people call it translates to the same thing because it doesn't. Um, but 
okay, so I, I believe that it was targeting by letter of the law. I think that we should, um, I think that we should have two levels of targeting and it should factor in intent. If you're specifically trying to hurt the quarterback, I am totally good with you being ejected for the game from the game. If you, if you don't have the intent to hurt someone though, and you end up with a helmet to helmet, I don't, I just think it's shitty to, to kick them out for the rest of the game. I just, I, I, you're, you're punishing football players for playing football. Um, but you know, I, I had said something last night, like, okay, yes, this is targeting, but what was the defender supposed to do? And I had so many people that tweeted me that said, if he just uh, had his face up, it would never have been called. I don't know that that is true because by definition, that is still targeting. So I pulled up from the rule book what it says. And, and I think this is interesting because it, it's going to, I'm going to tell you the four, like, point bullet points that are listed in the rule but it also says instances include but are not limited to before it lists these which really means basically the ref can do whatever the hell he wants and in theory it follows the rule still which is kind of crazy to me um i just think it makes it way too subjective but so the four things that are stipulated in here launch a player leaving his feet to attack an opponent by an upward and forward thrust of the body to make forcible contact in the head and neck area. And you have to assume if you're making a tackle that falls under forcible contact. Cause I don't know what, I mean, that's forcible contact, right? Um, the next is a crouch followed by an upward forward thrust to attack with forcible contact at the head or neck area, even if one or both feet are still on the ground. Now, this is the part that makes me think that this would have been targeting either way. Leading with the helmet, shoulder, uh, forearm, fist, hand, or elbow to attack with forcible contact at the head or neck area. It's not until the fourth bullet point that says lowering the head before attacking by initiating forcible contact with the crown of your helmet is listed. But bullet point three makes you think that it doesn't even matter so if I it's feel like, the crown of your head or not. Yeah, and that's where it's just so subjective and, and it and it almost needs to be about intent because right. I have seen games called where that same exact thing or something very, very similar to that happens. And they wave off the targeting because they can tell that the defender, you know, went to make a tackle. The offensive player slid or did something after, and the guy couldn't change his uh, his trajectory. And we have to. I mean, these are all bang bang plays. We can look at them in slow mo to determine where somebody was hit, but that's not how they happen. And it wasn't forcible. It, It wasn't any kind of insanely hard tackle. No, anything like that. It was the second player there. Like he was already wrapped up and it's not like he went in and speared him. You know, I don't know. I think it was a, the, it was, it was BS in my mind. Also, even if there were two levels of targeting, they still would have gotten the 15 yard penalty, right? Like if they just said like, all right, we just want to eject him. They still would have gotten the 15 yard penalty and still scored there, right? Like him not being on the field. I mean, maybe he makes a difference in the game. Maybe he doesn't. Clemson really didn't do a ton else that that I think that player may or that Ohio State player missing the rest of the game isn't why they lost, right? So, right. Um, I- anyway, so I- I'm not a big fan of it. But whether you're a big fan of that or not, 
that's not a play that Clemson made. Actually, it kind of is, I guess, right? Like if Lawrence ducked his head into it, it was one of the better plays he made that night. Well, but so then are that, you coaching your players to do that? No, that's all instinct stuff. There's no, there's no way that. No, but what I'm saying is, if they continue to call things that way, do programs start to coach mm, that way? I mean, I think you're putting kids in a pretty difficult situation if you're telling them like let them hit you in the head, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know? Right. Um, you know, so I, I don't think so. Maybe Brian Kelly would, because um, he doesn't have regard for people's lives. But um, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But you know, again, right or wrong call, you agree with the call or not, it doesn't really matter. It was made. If there were two levels of targeting, they they get the first down there and they score. But that wasn't something Clemson did. That was a mistake by Ohio state or a bad rule or whatever you want to call it that extended a Clemson drive. If they would have, um, if they'd have let that go or not had that happen, then I don't think, I don't think Clemson wins. And then, um, the roughing the punter call, right? Um, right call, no issues with that at all. Um, if if not for that, a mistake by Ohio State, they punt the ball there, and they it's a touchdown off the board. That roughing the punter call happens, and Clemson goes down and scores on that drive. So two calls or two plays. I mean, I'm not even blaming the officiating there, but two plays that you know I think change the change the outcome of the game. You know, it, it, it mistakes by Ohio State or bad calls or whatever you want to call it really changed the the outcome because outside of those two, I think Ohio State dominated. I don't really care as much about the fumble that got returned for a touchdown. Uh, Ohio State got the ball back the very next play on a punt and scored within four minutes. Um, so if anything, it was better for Ohio State that it worked that way um, just because, I mean, they scored on a fourth and two, so I don't want to hear any momentum arguments or anything like that from anybody it ended up being better for Ohio state because there was less time at the end of the game. Win feels through that pick. If that would have been a touchdown, they probably win. If you take those four minutes away because they score on the, on the fumble return, then I, I don't think that I think Clemson has too much time. So, um, you know, I, I think that was a fumble. Um, I think that was a catch and a fumble, but I don't think it impacted the game one way or the other because Clemson or because uh, Ohio State scored right after that anyway. So, um, but I think Ohio State was the better team. I think they were better than Clemson. I think they, you know, they had things they struggled with. The, the roughing the punter was one of them. Obviously, the miscommunication on the last throw by Fields, not being able to score and put the game away, and having to settle for a few field goals in the red zone were other things they struggle with, but really outside of Lawrence's long drive and then that little fake, you know, almost Tebow. They mentioned Tebow, obviously, a couple of times. That almost Tebow-esque um, pass to ETN. Outside of those two, I mean, Clemson didn't didn't really impress me at all. So all that said, I think Clemson Lawrence played, has some wheels on that, that he, long he touchdown does. run. He looks like a giraffe um, running at 6'6 like that. But – all that said, I think Ohio State was the better team last night. I do think Clemson will play better against LSU than they played against Ohio State. Like I think they'll be sharper. Why? I think they'll do things better. Because I, I don't think Clemson will play that poorly 
two times, but I think LSU is a whole hell of a lot better than Ohio State. So even though I think Clemson will raise their game and play a little better, I don't know if it'll show up. I, I don't. I don't know right. that it'll matter, right? Like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that I think they'll play. I think they'll. I think Clemson will do what Clemson does better. Uh, they'll be sharper. They'll have time time to work on things. Um, Their DBs you know, are just going to get burned but I think by LSU's that, wide yeah, receivers. I think that LSU. I don't know. I I, I think LSU wins kind of going away. I actually don't think it's going to be a great. Uh, great championship game. I thought it would be when Ohio State kind of came out and was rolling early, looked like they were just going to blow Clemson out. It was kind of like, well, if you blow out Clemson, I know Clemson's better than Oklahoma. So maybe Ohio State will be competitive. But for you know Clemson to just kind of have to backdoor their way into it, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they can get the pressure on Burrow that they need to get on him. Uh, Burrow gets the ball out so quickly. They talked about this last night in the post game. I think Fields holds on the ball too long at times, and it never even really hurt him. I mean, he took a couple of sacks, but I mean, they were one throw away from from making it. They were one miscommunication. Honestly, on that last play, that the wide receiver darts out to the left, and Fields was expecting him to keep, kind of continue the route to the right. If Fields and him were on the same page, and that ball was thrown to the left. I mean, he absolutely um, burned that defender. Like the, it's a touchdown without a doubt. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they're they're just kind of a miscommunication away from being there. But I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think it matters too much. I I think LSU's going to beat the hell out of them, and I hope they do. You know, I I uh, I'll fully embrace this SEC bandwagon just so that Clemson <laughs> doesn't win. Um, but I, I think they will win. Kind of going uh, away. I, 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 I hope think it, LSU wins by a lot. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong on that. Like, I hope that I hope that Clemson was like I know they weren't, but like it'd be great if they were uh, saving something for the game. Which again, I know they weren't, but I, I would hope for a good, you know, game. I don't want to see a blowout. I don't know who wants to see a blowout if you're not an LSU fan, but uh, I don't think it'll happen. You know. Yeah. So. I mean, um, I, I, I agree. I think this, look at that. We agree on something that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> um, I think, I don't think that there's a team in the country that could stop LSU. I think we could have a 64 team playoff and LSU would still end up as the national champion. I, I don't, I think Ohio State and Clemson are both great teams. I don't think that there is anybody that is as good as LSU this year. They are one of the best teams I've seen in a really long time. Um, and, and I think that's going to show, but um, you know, I, I thought it was a great game. It was a fun game. Ohio State Clemson was, uh, a nice breath of fresh air after watching, you know, the beating that took place at four o'clock. Um, and they're good teams, but they're not going to be good enough. I agree. So a couple games this week, um, when people are listening to this, it will be Monday morning. So... Everything we say can get fact-checked real quick because the game will be played tonight if you're listening to it or if you're listening to this after Monday, you can tell us how we're wrong about everything. Um, another game that I think is not going to be not competitive, uh, Florida and Virginia. Um, in the Orange Bowl, any thoughts around that game? You know, I think that Florida 
Virginia is not going to be particularly competitive. Um, I think that Florida is still excited about the idea of a New Year's Six, as opposed to like we talk to talk about sometimes how um, uh, you know it's a letdown game. That's not the case for Florida this year. They weren't going to the national championship game, the playoffs, or you know anything like that. So this is a big opportunity for them. It's a great recruiting opportunity. This happens in our home state in an area that we want to get recruits out of. Um, and I just can't imagine how Clemson could, I mean, excuse me, how Virginia could hang with UF. I saw a thing where Danny Cannell essentially said that the only way Virginia wins is if Florida's whole team doesn't show up. Um, and Danny Cannell obviously hates Florida. So for him to acknowledge the fact that it's going to be incredibly one-sided, um, Definitely makes me think it will be. Um, obviously, anything can happen, but I just they don't match up well with Florida. They don't match up well with their speed. They don't. They just. I, I think Trask is going to have a big day. I think we have probably the best wide receivers that they have seen outside of potentially Clemson's, um, and I think it's going to be a good day to wear orange and blue. Well, at least I guess your the shade. right shade of orange and <laughs> blue, but um, yeah, I couldn't see the game being too competitive. I think Florida will be, you know, as invested as ever. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida builds a big lead and then gets kind of uninvested, but I don't think it'll matter. I mean, I think, I think know, they'll build a big of, lead and then they'll put in a bunch of guys who yeah, don't normally so, have an opportunity to play. So, and I don't think it'll get not invested. It'll, but it won't get any closer. Like I don't think that, you know. I don't think that Virginia can hang anyway. Once they're down by that much, I think that, um, you know, it just kind of is what it is. But, yeah, I couldn't see a way – I mean, I couldn't see a way that a team that lost to the Miami Hurricanes um, and a team that only beat a Willie Taggart-led Florida State by one score, I don't see how that team can – can compete with a top 10 Florida team. Like I just don't, right. you know, in the state of Florida, um, you know, Virginia, Virginia is here because of automatic bowl tie-ins. Right? Um, right. And that's the only reason, honestly, I wish that Notre Dame got, since they're kind of like quasi ACC, I wish that they could take the ACC, um, tie-in spot. Tie-in if nobody in the ACC is ranked, right? Which yeah. I think Virginia is ranked like 24th or 25th, like something really bad. So maybe that wouldn't matter anyway. But like if nobody's ranked in the top 15, then Notre Dame should just be able to take it if they aren't ranked that high. Um, I think Notre Dame, Florida would be – Yes, it would be so good. Um, this game is going to be so terrible. Um, if it is competitive – it'll almost be worse than if it's not right. Like the game's going to be terrible because it's going to be a blowout anyway. But if the game is close, it just means that Florida is playing absolutely their worst game of the season. And uh, so that's not going to be good either, you know? So, um, you know, it just kind of, kind of ties back into the fact that the tie-ins are stupid. The, Bowl affiliations and stuff are, are dumb and hopefully something that would eventually get be gotten rid of. I don't know if there's much hope for that or not. But yeah, I expect Florida to to beat the hell out of out of Virginia. Um I next day in a little bit, you know, the closer you get to New Year's, the more prestigious the bowls get. Florida State <laughs> plays Arizona State the next day. Um I don't have a lot of hope for that. I, I think that they're 
their really good running backs out. Our really good running back is out. Cam's not playing. Uh, Marvin Wilson's not playing. Uh, you know, it's a shell of a staff. You know, I'd like to win just because there are no games that I would say, like, I'd prefer Florida State to lose. Um, but, I, you know, it's kind of like this is just kind of the final chapter of the of the Willie Taggart era. And right. Then we can kind of move on. Yeah, I'd like to win. I'm off. I'm just kind of going to watch at home. But I, I'm not super I'm not super excited. I don't think the game – I mean, the, the bowl games for all intent purposes don't matter. They only matter when you are somewhat excited about, you know, uh, like Florida last year getting to go to the Peach Bowl after a four-win season. Florida getting to go to the Orange Bowl in Florida. Um you know that, that stuff like that's exciting, but outside of that, bowl games don't really matter. Um, so, win or loss, you know the the game doesn't have any kind of long-standing impact or anything. So, I have no idea what'll happen. I think Arizona State would have to be a little bit of a favorite just because the game's out that way in El Paso. But I don't know; it's just too. Bad What's teams the line on each it? Other. Do you know? I think it's like. Arizona State minus six. Um, okay. Which, you know, I don't know how how and why these spreads are made the way that they are. Um, you know, I know Vegas is really good at it, but I think Vegas during the bowl season isn't as good. Oh, it's Arizona State minus four. They're not – I don't think they're as good during the bowl season because they're just very uncommon – Opponents There's that a lot of plays. factors that yeah, and go into play during the bowl season that who don't Who sits during... in or who sits right. out, who plays, who doesn't, uh, who's up for the game, who's not, what coaches are still there, what coaches are not, you know, like it's just it's just such a crapshoot. Um so and I mean, you know, Miami was a seven point favorite against Louisiana Tech, and and you kind of see how that happened, how that worked out. So anyway, I, I'd like to win, but I have I know nothing about Arizona State. I'm not doing any kind of time into researching Arizona State, so I don't really care that much. So we'll we'll see. I'm just glad we're playing after UF. So um, <laughs> that's what I'm hanging my hat on this year. Uh, speaking of Miami, how how bad? I mean, if there's anybody, I said this earlier in the year, and then they beat us, and I didn't didn't believe it as much. But now I do. I'm back on the bandwagon of believing this. First of all, Florida State could win their bowl game. <laughs> And finish yeah. with a better record, finish at seven and six instead of six and seven. But at least Florida State can have some kind of fake confidence in Mike Norvell, the hires, the transfers that we've gotten in, the recruiting class that he's able to, you know, improve upon from the time that um, Taggart was, uh, or from the time that he was hired. Sorry, is the best way to say that. But if you're a Miami fan, what do you have, right? Like you just lost to Louisiana Tech. You're coming back with the same coach, the same players, and everything next year. Like, what? There is no hope there. So at least Florida State no. fans can kind of like hype themselves up into some hope. So again, I said sure. this earlier in the year, and I'll say it again. The only thing that makes me feel better about Florida State is is the fact that Miami is it's still worse of a program. They they beat us this year. They did us a favor by helping Taggart get out, but they're still a worse program, and so. How embarrassing to lose to Skip Holtz in Louisiana Tech. Driscoll wasn't even there. So, like, how bad is this? Yeah, that I mean, that was definitely embarrassing. And I don't know how you spin that to recruits who you desperately need because your program is garbage. Um, 
So, I mean, so how long does Manny Diaz last? Do you think that the Miami Brass is discussing an exit strategy already? Do you think he gets one more year, two more years? I can't imagine that they put up, I mean, I don't know. I guess they've been mediocre for a decade at this point, but I just, I don't know. I can't imagine that that this flies. You know, I, I don't know. I don't have a great answer. I would think that there needs to be some kind of improvement uh, sooner rather than later, right? Like, so next year. Next year is tougher, you know, or not tougher, but, you know, the schedule is not super, super favorable next year um, like we thought it was this year. Um, they don't have to play Florida, but they do have to go to Michigan State. That is in late September. It's their fourth game. Um, you know, I, I don't even know, even if Miami has improved uh, up to that, like, you know, picking them to win at Michigan State is going to be a, a tough thing for them to do. They play Temple uh, to start out the year. That is in Miami. Um, I think that's kind of a toss-up game with with where, kind of where both programs are. Um, they have to go to Georgia Tech, who they lost to at home this year. They play Florida State at home. They play North Carolina at home, who I, who I think North Carolina is going to be a very, very good team again next year with Sam Howell there. Um, they have to go to Virginia, to Virginia Tech and to Wake to finish out the year. Um, and I think those three are tough games too. You know, I think Florida State's a coin flip. I think North Carolina's a loss. I think Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Wake are all coin flips. And I think they go seven and five again next year. If they or they were six and six this year, but I think they go six and six, seven and five again. You know, I, I think that's just kind of how their schedule is going to shake out. If they Go six and six again. I think he'll be fired. I think he needs to go seven and five, eight and four, and just look more competent, right? Right. So a lot of it well, is I, a lot of it is not only your win loss record. You know, every single game that Willie Taggart lost, minus the Virginia game, was just an absolute blowout. You know, got blown right. out by. Well, I guess he didn't get blown out in the Boise State game, but blew a big lead. Got blown out by Florida. Got blown out by Notre Dame. Got blown out by Clemson twice. Got blown out by uh, just every team you can think of. NC State the year before. And so, yeah, you just have to – Virginia Tech. So, I don't know. I think they just have to look like they're improving. But, I mean, they're going to start the year at best 3-1 and one and then have to go win a game at Georgia Tech, who they lost to this year. Otherwise, they're 3-2. and two. And I think it just kind of unravels from there. So from there. I, I think I think Florida State has not only say paved the way, but I think certainly increased the quickness of how coach how quickly coaches will be fired. Uh, Arkansas, same thing. Um, coaches that teams that give that coach that you always say a coach needs two to three years, you know, three to four years. Three years, three years, three. Like, that's always the number. But if things don't look like they're getting better, if you're not recruiting better, if you don't have things trending upward and things are trending more down, college football is just too much money. Like, there is no wait and see what happens in year three. You can tell what's going to happen in year three. We're going to struggle. We're going to struggle to make a bowl again next year just because we don't have any recruits coming in to replace the talent that's leaving. You know, so, um, 
if that's the case with Manny next year, they'll they'll fire him midseason too, or at the end of the year. There will be no waiting for year three, in my opinion. Now, if they go like eight and four or something and look a little better, beat Florida State, look competitive, don't get blown out every other week, you know, then yeah, they'll they'll keep him around. But I, I prediction, I don't think he makes it. I mean, he's, I certainly don't think he makes it past year three, but I, I think that he's gone after this year or during this year. God, and then who'd they get with no money and <laughs> no recruits? Probably Bob Stoops would be the name that I think would be um, big for them. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, last... Maybe a Florida State booster can pass along this phone number. That eye doctor guy probably uh, has an in on that. Yeah, I mean, I think I, – I don't know. I think there's still a chance that Stoops is our coach to, to start the year next year in Atlanta against West Virginia, but <laughs> we'll see. I think this whole Norvell thing is a smokescreen. Well, um, actually, this is a very uh, elaborate has gotten has gotten Stoops to agree to be a consultant, so he'll be on the sidelines. You just don't really actually have to pay him. How about Bob Stoops AD 2021? I can go for there that. There you go. Um, all right, last thing, and then we'll wrap this up. So, decade is ending. We're going to answer some of these on the big three roll up. We're actually doing a show tomorrow, but I'm going to I'm going to give you a couple, and then I'm going to answer them too. But uh, end of the decade. So, not the best decade for UF football. Ended on a high note, and then had a kind of a high note in 2012. A couple of good years in like 15, 16. Um, Weird to call the the uh, McElwain years good years, but I mean <laughs> right. ov- overall relatively, um, you know, good years. Um, what was your favorite, either sports or UF? I mean, it's going to be UF, but your favorite sports moment of the decade. Gosh, this is a hard one because you're right; there weren't that many. Uh, good <laughs> I know, ones. like mine's really easy, I, so I'll pick something other than the national championship. But like, yeah, what was yours? Well, I mean, Florida's basketball team and baseball team were actually very good uh, this decade. And so there's probably some memories from those that, uh, you know, stand out. But I'm trying to think football wise. Um, God, not a whole lot of uh, good ones. I guess maybe um, what when Florida beat Georgia, they weren't supposed to. And actually, Todd Grantham was the defensive coordinator for Georgia at this point. And Chaz Henry um, had to kick. He was a he was Florida's punter. He he came after Eric. Um, had to kick a game-winning field goal, and he hadn't kicked a field goal um, since high school. And he's got George on the sidelines, completely taunting him. Todd Grantham doing the the uh, throat slash. Adam and he hits it as time expires to beat Georgia. Um, so that, that ranks up there high for me, just ma- mainly because it, I don't know, Georgia hated it. And uh, I'm Chaz Henry is a good friend of ours, um, but it's kind of hard to pick some, some <laughs> good Gator uh, memories. I think Dan Mullen being hi- hired stands out for me. That's a good liked one. him when, uh, liked him when he, was not defensive or excuse me, offensive coordinator for Florida when uh, Eric played. I thought he was a really good guy. Then he was always incredibly personable, incredibly sweet. Like no need to have a conversation with your punter's girlfriend, um, but he always did. And he was he was a stand up guy then. I think he understands what it means to be a Gator. I think he actually cares about the program. So, um, and I think his hire has is you know has our football team on the right path. 
Um, yeah, I think with the uh, with the bit, not that not to take all of those other things away. I'm not trying to belittle those, but I think that with the hinds or with the with hindsight, with the ability to look back, I mean that that's got to be a top moment, right? Like, I mean, know, it's the most pivotal it, moment for Gator it, football this decade. Yeah, for sure. That or firing McIlwain, right? Like, so they kind of go hand yeah. in hand. But yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, the other stuff is memories that are that are uh, meaningful to me personally, but I don't necessarily think mean anything to the program. But I think Dan Mullen's hire was the most important moment of this decade for Florida football. Definitely the most important, without a doubt. Um, or maybe Jimbo leaving. Maybe that was the biggest moment for for you. I don't know. I don't um, that that that's not a. I don't know. He never really a hard time intimidated um, me. I mean, never lost. I mean, lost once. Um, but yeah, I'll give you Mullen. I think that's a good one. Um, I think that outside of the obvious for FSU um, in winning the national championship um, and really the entire 2013 season, because you know my, my next one would probably just be Jameis winning the Heisman. Um, I think that I think it was I think it was beating Michigan. In, in 2016, um, at the Orange Bowl, the game you guys are playing tonight, um, you know, that game was fantastic. Ended up being a one-point game against a program that we – well, we were an underdog against Michigan. Um, and supposed to lose, like, seven-point dogs in our home state. Um and that was a really – that was the last time that Florida State football was really, really fun. Um, you know, twenty. I mean, obviously nothing beats 2013, but 2016, beating Michigan, um, beating a really good program, like not having – I mean, you guys beat them last year too. Like beating Michigan last year was better – felt better than beating Virginia Will tomorrow night because Virginia just oh, for sucks. Sure. And so I'd say that 2016 game against Michigan, we were there. We had great seats. Uh, we tailgated all day. Um, that was probably the highlight of the decade outside of everything that happened in 2013, you know, because that's the obvious answer there. Right, right. Uh, least favorite moment of the decade. We've mentioned some of these already, but. Mm, Florida losing to Georgia Southern in 2012. 13? Yeah, that would have to be up there. Um I actually really liked that moment. I wasn't that I'm wasn't sure my, you did. That wasn't my highlight. Um I've got two. I've got a tie for two. Uh hiring Willie Taggart uh is gotta be the low point of the decade. I mean, you know, bad situation gets worse. And then like as far as an individual moment, um in 20 so 2012 we we lost to you guys but we won our next two games then we went we won 13 games in a row uh, or 14 games in a row to win the national title then we won our next 13 games before losing to Oregon so we were on that 29 game win streak we lose to Oregon but really we've only lost one game in the last 30 um we start out that next year 6 and 0 and we weren't overly impressive but we were winning games right like we beat Miami we beat every team ahead of us and we went up to Georgia Tech as a touchdown favorite 
and I remember betting on us during that game. I thought there was no way they covered the spread, let alone one. And I was in the end zone that they, um, when they blocked the kick and ran it back, I was in the end zone that they ran into. And so, you know, we had lost to Oregon, so it wasn't really like breaking a win streak or anything that was really tough, but like you can get over a loss in the college football playoff. Um, losing that one was like, holy crap, we're, we're beatable, <laughs> you know, and to sit in that end zone and probably be a few beers deep. Uh, that was a pretty rough moment. That was probably the worst moment of the decade outside of like hiring Taggart because that was just easily the worst. Well, the hiring Taggart's easy to say in hindsight, but it didn't necessarily feel like that in the moment. Yeah, just like hiring Mullen. I mean, you felt good about hiring Mullen, but I mean, I I felt good about hiring Taggart too, but if Mullen would have gone four and eight the last two years, you wouldn't feel so good about it. So, um, I mean, you feel good about it from all the personal reasons that you said you liked hiring Mullen, but... You'd be like, all right, get his ass out of here. <laughs> like, right. we, we've got to move on. So, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, definitely in hindsight, you know. But that's, I mean, they're all kind of in hindsight, right? Like the Michigan sure. the Michigan game, you know, if you'd asked me in 2016, is this going to be your highlight of the decade? I probably wouldn't have said yes, outside of, obviously, 13. Right. Um, I'd have said, no, whoever we beat next year will be it. So, um Outside of, I'm get a couple more here. Um, who's your favorite player of the last decade? Hmm. Wow, that's a really difficult one. That is a tough one. Who is your favorite? I mean, um, I guess I know the answer to that probably, but yeah. So outside of Jameis, I'll say Dalvin. You know, I, I think he had a unique ability to just absolutely take over a game from the running back position, which is pretty rare. You see that all the time from the QB. Um, you know, but, but Dalvin was special and could just, I don't know if you remember that Clemson game from 2016. Um, but that was probably the best game of his career and we ended up losing it, you know, close to the end. But, uh, I mean, he was just fantastic. I mean, he dominated that Michigan game that I talked about being, being amazing. And so, you know, Jameis is again, the easy answer there. Um, winning a Heisman, winning a national championship, all that. But outside of him, probably Dalvin Cook. And and it's, you know, there were other guys too that I really liked, but they're not really close to him. Right. Um, gosh, I don't – I am struggling to come up with somebody that would uh, – Come on, a lot me. of really good ones in there. Trayon Harris, um, huh. Skylar Morningwig. Um, I will say I really enjoyed watching Tommy Townsend play, and I know I always talk about You're such a sucker. Um, I know, right? But um, <laughs> so interesting story about Tommy Townsend, though. Our um, our parents know each other and have for a bajillion years. So NCAA, this is in no way a violation. Um, and we went to dinner with his family and my family, my my dad and Eric and. Um, Uh, another very close family friend that has known his family for a long time and actually grew up next door to my dad. And at that point, um, uh, Johnny was committed to Ohio state and urban Meyer, but he was contemplating the flip to Florida and we were talking to him about it. And he, I guess had expressed to Meyer that he was uncertain if he wanted to stay committed to Ohio state and he wanted to look elsewhere and Meyer essentially told him 
if he went anywhere else that he would ruin his career and he would never start anywhere and he would never have a shot at the NFL and he would basically just ruin his, his life. So Johnny is telling us this at dinner and Eric, who by the way, would take a bullet for Urban Meyer still to this day, you know, was his coach, loves him, whatever was like, how do you think he's going to do that? How do you think if you sign, if you end up signing with Florida, how do you think he's going to convince Florida not to play you? And Johnny was like, I mean, I don't know. I guess I never really thought about it. He's Urban Meyer. And he told me that, like, I was dead, essentially, if I didn't follow through with my commitment to Ohio State. Anyway, after that dinner, he ended up flipping uh, to Florida. And he was obviously very prolific uh, at UF. And he actually played in the NFL for a couple of years. He's hurt right now. He was he was cut by the Giants, I think, first game of the season. And it kind of had to do with an injury. Um but hopefully he'll be back next year. But that always made me want to root for him even more because I just thought it was insane that Meyer would tell an 18-year-old kid that his life was over if he didn't, you know, go to Ohio State. Um, I couldn't imagine these millionaire college football ki- coaches lying to these kids. Oh, I know. It's such a weird thing, huh? Um. Yeah, no, that's all I've got. I was going to well, ask okay, you. Okay, so wait, favorite player of the decade. I could actually say my brother, too. He played for Florida during this decade. That would be an, an easy out. That's a cop out. Yeah, well, you know. Hey. <laughs> I mean, I didn't pick Jameis just because of how easy the cop out was. So <laughs> you're not related um, to him. <laughs> can't wait for tomorrow though when we do the uh, the uh, so like I've made the I've framed these much more you know uh, FSU. I'm just nicer to you, I guess, just because <laughs> you have kids and you know whatever. Doesn't uh, everybody else tired. have kids too? Yeah, I mean, you don't have. I mean, I kind of meant like doubles of twins, and you got <laughs> newborns laying in the bed, like you know, like just a little nicer. But I totally framed these for the big three roll up. Like, who do you think the most dominant team of the decade was? <laughs> who was the best big three, you know, player oh of the my decade? God, oh yeah, such was. a jerk. Yeah, well, it was Winston, but like outside of him, you know, or oh, it was the Florida State, but you know, outside of that one year, you know, whatever. So. Um, I was much nicer to you. I could have had you answer all those too, but, <laughs> um, what are, uh, so we've got one more of these and then the national championship. And then I guess we'll record actually two more, right? Like, yeah. Cause the game's on. Yeah. Monday. We'll have two more so, before the national championship game. Although maybe we should do that. Maybe we should do that after we'll figure that out, but, um, how we should kind of do that. Cause because of the way we record usually on Sunday nights, maybe it would make more sense to do that the next day um, on Tuesday or something, but we'll, we'll figure that out. But what are, what are our off season plans here? I know you kind of go into, you know, crazy mode during the college football season. What what, what are the off season plans for? Um, well, I will definitely pay attention to recruiting, which has changed so much now that we have this early signing period. It definitely makes February, the first Tuesday in February, um, more anticlimactic than, you know, it had been previously, but, and, you know, we'll move on to college basketball. I personally like college baseball as well. Um, and we'll get ready for spring practice, which isn't all that far away. Four months isn't that bad. Um, I mean, there's always something to, to cheer for, right? Yeah, absolutely. I would be more than happy for this to turn into a basketball show since that's something that we actually beat Florida in these days. So, um, very okay with that. So that may be some Florida may be on, um, you know, 
coaching watch for Mike White. He may there's a a lot of hopefully not. To, well, you I'm a don't huge think that. Mike White fan. Of course you are. Um, you know, I was at the beginning too. I um, I think Florida deserves better. I think he's a an hell of a recruiter, but that almost makes it worse because you know that you have such incredible talent on your roster and you still are subpar. You know, I don't know. I think the expectation, I think because of how good Billy Donovan was, the three year mm-hmm. run that they had where they won what? Did they do basketball back to back or was it they two did. and three? Okay. So no, they won back to back. Because of the two, you know, because of how good Billy Donovan was and because of the two year run, it totally inflated Florida's basketball expectations, right? Um, but they have, they still have the talent, and that's the thing. If they didn't have the talent, I mean, they I don't. don't the expectation they, would be there. They don't have the talent that they had when they won those titles with Corey Brewer, Joe Camilla, and those guys. Like Mike Miller, those, those guys classes were not ranked as high as the one that Florida currently has right now, though. Sure, Billy and, Donovan got more with less out of. I mean, think uh, about, I don't know. Okay, so Corey Brewer, uh, Brewer and Joe Camilla are still playing. Lee Humphreys. Torian Green, they're playing. Was in Miller Europe on those teams currently? Like no, he... Miller was Miller was on the '98 team, um, which was the, the time before that Florida had made the Final Four. This the starting lineup there was Joe Kim Noah, Corey Brewer, to, uh, Torian Green, Lee Humphrey, and um, uh, Al Horford. So, um, and I mean, not that the not that those yeah not, Horford still playing three guys still. Yeah, uh, and, and, yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with you that the recruiting class may not have been better, but like the you know, eventually it takes over where, you know, the talent that was actually on the teams is better than what some scouting service ranked. Yeah, teams. and I and like sure, these are my those are like there's like NBA. My no. point is that on paper, this team should be a top five team in the country. On paper, I don't and know so that then at that, that talented, point, but I mean, I I'll give you at least ranked. You know, but like not, they should at least at be that ranked. Point, then it comes down to coaching at that. You know, at that point, absolutely. Um, See, I think Florida State, and this is not a troll, right? Like everybody wanted to give Willie more time if if they were a rival because he sucked. But Florida State really complained about Hamilton for years and years and years and years, and we brought in all this talent, we just couldn't win. And now the talent we're bringing in is even better, right? Like there is legitimate, like we've had guys drafted the last several years, first round draft picks, Jonathan Isaac's playing with the magic and he's really great. And so we are doing really, really well in that category. But like we wanted Hamilton fired for years and years and years because we had all this talent and he just couldn't win. And I'm not, this is not a troll, but like, eventually something just clicks, right? And I'm not saying that it will or will not with um, Mike White, but I think the difference is Florida State doesn't have expectations, right? We've never won it. So we don't – when we make the Sweet 16, we're happy about it. Well, that's a good right. year. You you finished as a top 16 team in the league or in the country. When we made the Elite Eight two years ago, we were thrilled, you know, because, yeah, we were top – Five to so when you have no expectations, you're pumped about whatever you get. Absolutely, you know, and because Florida I can't live fans, my life like that. So well, sorry. but if if 2007 and or 2008 2009 wouldn't have happened, that's how you would live it, right? Like, because you don't, you know, you're not trying to fire the 2006. Yeah, whatever the years were, because <laughs> um, you wouldn't have those expectations of being a championship level 
program because you right. hadn't won a championship. It's yeah, the same reason. Yeah, but we are a championship level program. I mean, in in respect to just the basketball program is kind of how I meant that. But yeah, I mean, you know, nobody's looking to fire the women's basketball coach because they're not winning because they've never won. So fans don't care, you know? Um, so I don't know. I, think I do that- remember Carolyn Peck being fired because they don't win. And interestingly, women's basketball is about the only program in Florida's athletic department that routinely doesn't win. Got to step it up. Apparently. Can't be everything if you're leaving one out. It's true. So, yeah, but I'm I'm all about this going to a basketball. I want to stay out of softball and baseball unless we're good in softball, and then we can talk about that. But <laughs> well, I don't want to talk about any more sports. Softball, so I'll talk about that. Yeah. No, softball, we do okay in softball. Baseball, not so much. But um, used to be a hell of a baseball program. Well, then we let Bobby Bowden part two run into the ground. So, um, mm. all right. Other than that, I don't have anything. It's getting late. I know you're tired of me, so um, I guess we'll wrap it up and we'll do it again next week. Sounds like a plan. 